Hi, this is Glenn DeLakian, host of Tandem Radio, The Good News on Business, heard every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bridge FM or on the web. Thanks for joining us for a special series, Building a Kingdom-Minded Company. Whether you're a business owner or just starting your first job, our desire is that God would influence every part of your life, including your business world. Mark Griffin, president of In His Name HR, which provides human resources consulting for many organizations, brings some fantastic tools on faith and work through his 12-part series on building a company for God's glory. Let's join Mark and host D. Kovac for this segment on Building a Kingdom-Minded Company here at TandemRadio.com. Today, we're talking with Christian business consultant Mark Griffin about his company, In His Name Human Resources. In His Name HR is leading business as a kingdom-minded company. During this 12-part series, Mark gives you the tools to prosper as a kingdom-minded company. Hi again, Mark. Here we are. It is uh, show number nine, and we are going to talk about how we're managing employees to their potential within the kingdom company. Mark, employees are the lifeblood of a company. Tell us how to manage them within the company. Well, Dee, I'm excited to be here again today to talk about this topic. This is a topic that gets me very excited because uh, I've been involved in leadership and leading people for as far back as being seven or eight years old. I was involved in, in Boy Scouting, and I was an Eagle Scout, and I, I uh, was proud to serve in the military. I, I served as a leader in the United States Air Force, and uh, very proud to say that I was promoted below the zone when I was in the Air Force, and I received a considerable amount of leadership training uh, throughout my career uh, not only in the military, but as I worked for big organizations like Quaker Oats and, and Merck Pharmaceutical. So I know a little bit about leadership, and I do know that a lot of the problems that we suffer in organizations always come back to leadership and the lack of the capability or the ability of our leaders to get employees moving all in the right direction to to perform well for the organization. So are we talking honey and vinegar or, and the whip and the crack? Or, you know, how are we motivating people? You know, we're, we're talking about creating an environment that gets people excited, that they're, they're, they're invigorated to come to work, to perform, to do good things, because they feel that they're part of something greater than just themselves or just the, the, the leadership out on their own, but collectively they're in a team environment and they want to do good things for the company so that they can jointly be successful. And and that's pretty much what the problem is at many of the organizations that I'm called into that are having performance issues. If they are having performance or employee relations issues, it's typically because they're split with a leadership versus employees, employees versus leadership type mentality. So are you telling me that in those scenarios it's more antagonistic and it's not a communication problem, which I would think would be uh, a root cause for e- for the problem? It's both. There, there's a lack of communication and there is antagonism going on between either the leaders to the employees or the employees back to the leadership. There could be a variety of different uh, supervision issues. 
Um, I, I remember years ago I was involved uh, with the supervisor that was having problems with all their hourly employees and uh, had a reputation of really being a bad supervisor. And I spent some time to get to know some of the hourly employees. And what I found out from the hourly employees, and even the plant manager of the organization didn't even know this, was that at the end of the day, if you didn't do good work and you didn't perform correctly and you didn't get the numbers that you needed or the quality that you needed, then the supervisor just simply left a dog biscuit in your mailbox. And you know you didn't do very well that day. That was his way of letting you know that you didn't perform well. If you didn't get a dog biscuit, then you were doing okay. You know, it's funny. We think about the stuff and we snicker and we go, wow, you know, what a bad leader and all that. But it, it happens a lot more often than we realize um, that there are a lot of bad leaders out there that think they're being funny, but they're really hurting the organization. Well, we definitely want to emphasize the honey then and the things that are going to make people come to you as opposed to being fearful of ridicule or persecution. That's right. Okay. When we're trying to build the best out of people, uh, we want the best. We're trying to build the best. What do we need to give them to be the best? What's the first thing and most important thing? You need to have a framework for the employees to understand what it is that they're working towards and what they need to be doing to get the job done. And that's really where I come in. In and, and, and previous shows, we talked about having a job description. That's important that you have the job description. That's core and that's foundational and that, that gives employees the idea of what they need to be doing. But we also talked about the vision and where the company is going, and that's a framework. And then we talk about uh, the mission and what it is that they do every day. Uh, but what I'd like to tell leaders to do is to, to take it to a whole nother level, and this is pretty much the last aspect of building a kingdom company, is, is sharing goals and objectives collectively across the organization's so that employees can strive to achieve those goals and objectives. And you'd be surprised how many organizations just don't have annual goals and objectives for employees to strive against. When you are setting a goal as a leader, uh, it's extremely important. But then again, we talk about the, the cracking of the whip. You know, we need to create 2,500 widgets every single shift. And if we don't do it, there's going to be retribution. That certainly is not where we want to go. But when you set a goal, what are the things to build people up or to cultivate the potential that are going to well, help whole, you to achieve that? The whole aspect of the 2,500 widgets should be something that the employees had input on. They need to understand why you need 2,500 widgets. They might be able to produce 5,000 widgets for you, but oftentimes, again, I go into organizations and the com and the employees don't know how many widgets they actually need. I, I, I remember years ago I was working in a high-speed bottling plant, and I walked out. I was a very young HR manager, and I was talking to the employees. How many bottles do you need to produce in a shift to, to break even here at this? At, at this? And they had no idea. They didn't know if 15,000 was good or 12,000 was good or 20,000 was good. But I can tell you what, D, when we – articulated to them that 15000 was break-even and they were making a lot of money for the company at 20000 they did everything possible to beat that goal. They wanted to make 20000 Most importantly, too, they wanted to beat the other chefs. 
So when we started to articulate what the goal was, what the objective was, why it was important, we got people excited. And ultimately, several years later, we got capital from the company to build a whole new facility there because the employees were engaged, they had excitement around the goals and objectives, and they were consistently beating those goals that were set out upon them. If we never shared that, if they never had input to it and they never knew it, that plant could be closed today. Well, it all goes back to a lot of the things we've said in prior shows, and that is making the employees, everybody at every level, a part of the process of becoming a kingdom company. Because what you have told me is basically when you give the employee some part of ownership, even if, in, and I'm not talking about material ownership, sure. but an ownership of the work they're going to do and what their role is, then they're going to perform better. Is that what you're telling me? Absolutely. But the, the, the difficulty is, the hurdle, D, is many leaders are fearful of that. They're fearful of letting it go and letting employees have input to it. But you know what? I've had employees tell me in confidence, Mark, I just wanted to have an input. They can do it any way they want to do it, but I just want to have an input. So the second aspect to that is if you do open it up and you do allow them to have input, make sure you, you, you cross it off at some point. Make sure you go back to the employee and tell them, you gave us our, your input. It was great that you had these great ideas, but we're still going to do it this way, and this is why we're going to do it. Because if you don't, you just took what they suggested and did nothing with it, and then they feel like it fell on deaf ears. When anybody has ownership of anything, they are going to invest themselves in it. Isn't that correct? I believe so. What about rewarding people? Like, you know, if we're soliciting ideas and we set the goals and somebody comes up with an innovative idea, you know, what kind of rewards or things that, you know, don't punish somebody for doing badly but creates a, a, a strategic scenario that people will strive to do better because the rewards will be greater. There are so many different reward systems that you can put into place around quality, around productivity, around safety. There's so many different monetary aspects that you can tie into it. I really find that the the, the, the meat and potatoes, bare bones um, rewards are always the most meaningful to employees. Employees don't want, uh, naturally everybody wants more money, right? But most employees now in today's economic times want to know that they're going to have employment for the next couple months. When they know that their actions are, are helping to sustain the company to be profitable so that they can get paid for the next year, that's a huge reward. That's probably more reward than most people could dream of because they want continued employment. So just having the reward of continued employment, not promise of employment, but to strive to give them a hope and a future with their pay is huge. But basic things, going a month without an accident and having a pizza party is huge for employees. They love eating pizza. We we had accident issues at one plant, and we instituted a program. It was a three-shift operation, seven days a week, was prone to accidents. And we told employees, hey, you go a month, the whole facility goes a month without an accident, we're going to cook steak dinners. The managers are going to come in and cook everybody's steak dinners. And you know what? They loved it. They loved seeing the managers come in, cooking them food, giving them steak dinners on shifts, and they eliminated accidents because they wanted to see us cook for them. So they looked out for each other. If you go a year 
the plant manager and the HR manager is going to roast a pig on your behalf for the whole company. Setting really funny things, neat things, inspiring things, employees love it, and managers should love it too. As a kingdom company, I can't help but to think about Jesus washing the disciples' feet as you spoke of that. And I think that that's one thing that's hard for people to remember and to keep in their hearts, that we truly are serving those that we are working with. You talked about fear earlier. You know, there are a lot of supervisors who they have a hard time of giving up any of that control to make something better because they're afraid if somebody looks better than them, it's going to look poorly on, you know, them. If if somebody comes up with the next great idea well, that person looks great, and I, the supervisor, look stupid. Is that the case? It's so true. There's many leaders that don't look at it from a servant leadership type aspect, and that, that's the way I think that managers and supervisors need to be. They need to be there serving their employees to make them successful, making sure they have the tools, making sure they have job descriptions, making sure they have the goals and objectives. And we should never be afraid of the people underneath us being smarter than us, having better ideas than us, getting promoted around us. That's really what we're called to do is to come in and make people as successful as they can be. There's nothing more satisfying to me than to having that HR rep that I managed eight years ago be a vice president of human resources at a fortune company right now. I have folks that have worked for me that have moved on that are working for fabulous companies making huge impacts in organization that many leaders would say, well, you know, I wouldn't want to see them promoted or making more money than me or whatever, but I'm happy that they, they, they've been successful. I've watched plant managers hire managers that were smarter than, smarter than them in certain areas because they knew that that would help make the company successful. That's what, that's what I believe is being a good kingdom-minded uh, business manager is. When you're a manager or a business owner, you're called upon to wear many hats. And I think that what you've described to me is that the person who doesn't necessarily feel like he has to control every single aspect and wear every single hat has to have the best and has to be able to know how to bring it out of each person and each employee. Exactly. You meet leaders. Every every company has a leader or a supervisor that thinks they know everything about everyone and every aspect of the company. It's just ludicrous. There's there's no way that you're going to have a, a chief executive officer that knows everything about HR, knows everything about engineering, knows everything about production. That's just not going to be the case. He, he or she is going to look like a fool. And all the VPs and all the supervisors and all the employees are going to know that that person's just full of themselves because that's not going to happen. A good leader, a good CEO, a good executive is going to know that they can let the whole organization know that I don't know everything, but I'm going to do my best to hire the smartest people, the brightest people, and I'm going to rely on that person and human resources because they're an HR expert because I couldn't possibly be an HR expert. Or I'm going to rely on this person as VP of engineering because I could never know everything about engineering, and I'm going to trust they're going to be the best VP of engineering. But knowing all things uh, for all people is just, silly it doesn't work and but i've witnessed it do you think that 
uh, not only is it about rewarding, but it's also giving people the resources they need to grow themselves. I mean, we're living in that time where things are changing rapidly and everything changes so quickly that you periodically need that time to regroup and to learn what it is that you need to learn to freshen your skills and to just refresh your whole outlook and being able to do your job effectively. Uh, absolutely. The um, and employees, supervisors uh, of companies need to be reinventing themselves continually. I mean, the workplace is constantly changing. I mean, I, I, I look at my, my myself. Uh, I'm leaving to go for some training, four days, four days of intensive training, to increase my skill level on the Myers Briggs, it's going to take me out of out out of consulting for four days, but it's going to help me educate myself and bring my skill level to a new level in that area. I wouldn't have dreamed twenty years ago that you know somebody in their forties is going to go away for four four days of high intensive learning environment that that would be necessary, but that is what's necessary. We're constantly honing and changing our approach to how we do our jobs. Um, I look at my wonderful wife. She's decided she's going back to college. She's going to get her BSN 20 years ago, and RN was enough. You got your RN, you went into practice, you retired. She's finding that she would like to close a little bit of gap, get, get her BSN, and spend the next 15, 20 years contributing to, to the company, to the hospital system, at, at a different level. That wasn't the way it was 20 years ago. So not only has it changed for me, it's changed for my wife, it's changed for all employees. Employees should be looking at what is my career going to be like a year from now, um, two years from now, five years, and what do I need to do education-wise so that I'm ready for what that next opportunity is. So that boss or that owner of that company who says he doesn't have Time to let people go off and regenerate, rejuvenate themselves. He can't afford not to. Is that what he you're saying? He can't afford not to. You're right, D. Thank you for listening uh, uh, with us today in our show about how to bring out the best in your employees for your kingdom company. Please join us the next time in our next show. Mark Griffin of In His Name HR will tell us how to get non-performers off the bus. You've been listening to Mark Griffin of In His Name HR at Tandem Radio, the good news on business. Be sure to check out some of Mark's other segments at www.tandemradio.com. That's tandemradio.com. You can find out more about Mark and In His Name HR as well as other shows and videos on our website. Also, be sure to tune in every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Bridge FM or the web. Thanks again for joining us for the good news on business.